Kia ora, Um, for those of you who are visiting us this morning, we're continuing, or we have been, um, ploughing our way through the letter of Paul to the Galatians. Um, unlike many of his other letters that are to specific communities or singular communities in singular places, Galatia is actually a region. So there's a number of different churches. So he's speaking to a larger group of people there. Now, for those of you who might know, I've just come back or a week ago now from Sydney and it was incredible to actually get on a plane and leave the country Um, and it was fascinating going to Sydney seeing mum that I hadn't seen in almost three years and and my sister and all the family and and some friends and stuff and it was terrific Um, so some friends of ours had booked this uh, cruise because at the time that I was there there was this big festival in Sydney called uh, Vivid Festival where they light the whole city up. It's fascinating because in the three years that I haven't been there, you know, with all COVID and everything, they still managed to build like half a dozen skyscrapers in that time, which is incredible. They've really kind of changed all of downtown. But we got on this boat and, you know, some of the photos were absolutely amazing. The lights that they were doing and it was just incredible. There was just a lot happening. Um, Now, if you could see these photos and look to the sides and see how many people uh, are there. It was extraordinary. We were there during the Sydney Olympics. I mean, that's when our our middle daughter was born in 99. So we we saw how during the Olympics, it was just packed with people. I felt like I'd been almost taken back to that time. It just was amazing how many people were out and about. But there was another amazing thing about Sydney was I'd forgotten that COVID even existed. Like we arrived there, the moment I got out of the airport, the mask came off and I never put it back on for two and a half weeks that I was there. Nor did I see many people wearing masks, nor did the newspapers or, or, or the, you know, the news, my mum watches news religiously on her TV, never once did they talk about COVID. How many deaths, how many infections, nothing. And I was kind of jolted back to reality, you know, a couple of days before having to come back to New Zealand because I needed to get a PCR test done. And I was like, oh yeah, there's COVID. (laughs) I'd forgotten about it completely. But it's extraordinary how quickly we want to get back to what we're comfortable with, back to the norm. Um, We're not just talking about COVID in our current situation, having passed it in in Christchurch right from the beginning to basically the end of these earthquakes that we experienced. We talked a lot about this is going to change everything. Even as a church, we're going to be able to do all these great... And you know what? We just went right back to the norm. And being in Sydney, it was interesting to find that same attitude that we're just going straight, whatever we can do again that we used to do, we want to do. But there are some other things that I found COVID very similar to the earthquakes. First of all, it changed our language in a way, didn't it? I mean, who would have ever thought of vaccine passes 10 years ago? Or even the word COVID, right? Most of us had no idea what that was prior to 2019. It's like uh, earthquakes. All of a sudden, liquefaction happens. Now we're all experts on liquefaction. But prior to that, no one even knew what that was. But there was one thing that's happened in common, I think. And what we saw in Christchurch 
in church was what we called spiritual liquefaction. Things that were deep inside bubbling came bubbling to the surface. COVID has done a very similar thing. And though in Australia they're acting like it's not happening anymore, that they've kind of moved on from it, I mean, there were 80,000 people at the state of origin when I was there. It was amazing. Even though they've moved on, talking to some church leaders, their situation actually is not much different from ours. A lot of things have bubbled to the surface. A lot of things that maybe were small things beforehand in our lives are now big things. The things that we held deep within us and maybe not showed everybody our true feelings, all of a sudden we are now showing them. This is the result of these, well, we call them uncommon situations. They feel like they're more common than usual now that change us, that impact us. Now, the early church wasn't much different to us today. A lot of changes were happening and people were reacting in very interesting ways. Not too dissimilar to the way we were acting today. And Paul had to address these things. These changes that people didn't like, couldn't handle, didn't know how to deal with. And they just wanted to get back to the norm. Uh, I shared with you last week um, the idea of fixation or the psychology of fixation. Does anyone remember Sigmund Freud's three uh, breakdown of three uh, branches of fixation? Oh, it's the only time I can say something like it in church. 20 years, I've never been able to say like oral, anal, and phallic, right? Um, but they're the three areas of fixation, right? Oral being, you know, when you bite your nails, chew your lip, or have a toothpick in your mouth. Um, uh, anal is like obsessive compulsiveness. And then there's phallic, which is, you know, you might spend a little bit too much time in front of the mirror. Or today, maybe taking too many selfies. When you're obsessed with yourself. Now, modern psychology has taken this a little bit further than from Sigmund Freud and, and basically has used this idea around obsessiveness, rigidity, and pride. Now, a recent study has shown that fixations normally can be kept well under wraps until something shakes in your life and the fixation grows into fanaticism. Just think about it. A very, very easy example. If you get into a fight with your partner, you notice that one of them will start to clean. Anyone in the family like that? <laughs> if you're just realizing, oh, is that why she cleans all the time? Guys, we need to have a chat later on. <laughs> um, um, we get into these fixations. It's a way to cope. It's a way to deal with what's going on. It's some ways of dealing with the energy that's within me that wants to react, but I'll focus on something else. These fixations can turn or have turned into fanaticism. And the way psychology uh, describes it, it's uh, this idea of intolerance or self-confirming and blind. And they're saying today a lot of these fixations have turned, or COVID has turned them into fanaticisms. And we see that, especially among Christians. Now, what would be a, a small fixation has now become a big thing now Paul was dealing with this very thing in Galatia the Galatians weren't coping with the change and so their fixation on being uh, Jewish 
their Jewishness, their history, who they are as a people, they started to get really fixated on that. And for some people in Galatia, that turned facing to the law and saying, this is how we live now and you've got to do it this way. So their fixation on who they are as a people became fanaticism and they were forcing people around them to be that way. Paul was trying to deal with this in Galatia and, and he was getting quite upset when you read especially chapter 2 uh, you know he's, he's, he's angry he's spilling words out saying what are you doing look at what you're doing it's not about the law it's about Jesus in fact we read in our passage today which is um, Galatians three fifteen to 22 brothers and sisters let me take an example from everyday life Jesus, as no one, just as, sorry, no one can set aside or add to a human covenant that has been duly established, so it is in this case. The promises were spoken to Abraham and to his seed. So now he's going right back to the beginning of what it means to be an Israelite. Abraham, the father, the number one, right? He's taking it all the way back and he's saying, God made him a promise to his seed. Scripture does not say in two seeds, plural, meaning many people, but to your seed, meaning one person who is Christ. So he's doing a bit of exegesis here. He's kind of trying to help them understand that you've been living a certain way, but that's not the way Scripture's been telling you. You've gotten it wrong. This is what it means. What I mean is this. The law introduced 430 years after Abraham does not set aside the covenant previously established by God and thus do away with the promise. For if the inheritance depends on the law, then it no longer uh, depend, uh, depends on the promise. But God in his grace gave it to Abraham through a promise. Why then was the law given at all? It was added because of transgressions until the seed to whom the promise referred had come. Is the law therefore opposed to the promises of God? Absolutely not. For if a law had been given that could impart life, then righteousness would certainly not would have come by the law. But Scripture has locked everything up under the control of sin so that what was promised, being given through faith in Jesus Christ, might be given to those who believe. It's a lot of words there. And if you're a Jew, you get it. Most of us today don't even think about it. But this was really important back then. Just like a thousand years from now, when they read some of the letters we're writing today, they might think, why are they so hung up on this? Move on. Well, back then they really struggled to live this what he's saying is this if we followed the law fully then we can be made right by God with God this is what the Jews were saying look yeah Jesus is all good and well but if you follow the law to the letter do everything the law says then you can be made right with God you know I've actually heard some Christians tell me that I've actually heard some pastors tell me that. And I think, wow. No, you, you don't understand. You, you can't be made right with the law. Because if you could, then what's the point of Jesus? That's what Paul says, Galatians 2.21. If righteousness could be gained through the law, then Christ died for nothing. It's uh, N.T. Wright makes this comment. 
in his commentary on Galatians, he says it was simply the law was simply a quarantine regulation. Important and healthy in itself, but a steady reminder that all the human race, including the family of Abraham, was sinful. And it was in place doing that job right up to the time when God finally fulfilled the promise. The regulations designed to keep Israel as it were in quarantine are now set aside. Not because they were bad, ill-judged, unnecessary or not intended by God, but because they were good, vital, effective and have now completed their task. Now think about that for a moment. We don't necessarily live by Old Testament anymore. We live by New Testament. But you cannot have the New Testament without the Old Testament. You require the Old Testament to understand the New Testament. It's the same with the law, right? But you don't live by it today. So what does that mean? So Abraham comes along, God gives him a promise. Through your seed, I will bring righteousness to all people, anyone who has faith. But in between, they end up in Egypt, they come out, Moses is trying to rally his people. God makes a covenant with his people there and introduces the law. And that stays all the way in place to Jesus. But Jesus now fulfills the law, so the law is done. Romans 4, 2-3. In fact, Abraham was justified by works. He had something to boast about, but not before God. What does Scripture say? Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. Going further on, and Paul spends quite a lot of time on this again in Romans because the Jews in Rome have the same problem. It's the law. No, actually, it's not. Christ is the telos, the, the end, the completion of the law so that there may be righteousness for everyone who believes. So how many of us today still expect us to live under the law? It's not a common thing here in New Zealand, but you go to the States and some parts of Australia, the Ten Commandments feature prominently in courthouses, in churches. Do we still live under that? Think about that for a moment. How many of us still think we are required to live under the law? How many of us still make that argument to the world around us? As one apologist said, if you live under one law, you've got to live under all of them. But you only have to live under one Jesus. Others get kind of muddled and they say, well, we don't have the law anymore, but we have moral law. Yeah, but moral law doesn't really fulfill, you know, the first two commandments. Love your Lord, honor him, do not use his name in vain. That's not part of moral law. How does this work? How does righteousness through faith work? It's a fascinating example of letting go. (laughs) And it's something we Christians really have a hard time with. 
it's easy to live by a set of rules. It's easy to have boundaries in place to tell us what to do and how to do it. It's harder, harder to follow Jesus, to allow him to lead you. And sure, I'm not saying the law's bad. I'm not saying we're throwing out the Ten Commandments here. Actually, I think they're equally important today as they ever were. But rather than being a set of laws now, they're part of who we are. And there's a difference. You know, during this time, I've just seen Christians really just get fixated and become a little bit too fanatical about the law, about the rule of law. I was reading in the newspaper, I just clipped the message that came up on my Instapaper um, account. Evangelist Nick Hall says this, who used to be a really young bloke, but now he's in his 40s, which tells you how old I'm getting. Um, Christians have become loud about everything but Jesus. And he goes on to talk about how, how did we lose the plot since when, and he talks about the law become more important than sharing Jesus. Because if we truly believe Jesus changes our lives, if we truly believe that the Holy Spirit lives within us, if we truly believe that he speaks to us, lives in us, guides us, then what's the problem? Nick Hall goes on to explain that we are far more interested in changing the laws of the country than we are about changing the hearts of the people. We're far more interested in having political debates rather than life debates about promoting our opinions rather than promoting Jesus. And there are churches suffering because actually we've lost our focus. Our focus is and always is Jesus. Jesus. He is the only one that changes our hearts. He is the only one that can give us hope. He is the only one. And if that means we forfeit our lives, amen. If that means we carry that cross, amen. If that means we've got to get up early on a Sunday morning and be bouncing around a pit. I didn't get to sleep till like 2 a.m. last night. What happened last night? Some guy went crazy down our street and bashed into cars everywhere. He was drunk. Everyone heard it but me. I only found out that Monica wasn't in bed with me. And I was like, where did she go? That's what woke me up. Hang on a sec. There's no warm body next to me. Didn't hear the guy going, here's a guy who needs Jesus. Right? They're in our communities. They're around us. You don't need to quote the law to them. They're reacting to the law. Quote them Jesus and see how they'll change. And don't wait for me to do it. Don't wait for the, for the, the church to do it. You do it. Has he not changed your life? Has he not given you hope? Has he not messed you up? And if he has, 
oh my goodness I've got to confess I'm becoming a little bit more like Ben Carswell lately I know it's it's the danger there I'm, I'm buying all these sports jerseys oh that's okay isn't it <laughs> and I keep thinking every time I see one on special for like oh oh hang on I'm turning into Ben um We, we promote and we, we, we support all these things, which are all good things, don't get me wrong. But isn't Jesus above that? Hasn't he done more than what Liverpool could ever can or the All Blacks could ever can, or any other team can ever can? Has Jesus done a little bit more than that? How come we're not promoting him? How come we're not wearing him on our, on, on, on our chest? How come? Oh, I've got to do my own thing, Rob. People think I'm weird. Yeah, you are weird. You believe in a guy who died 2,000 years ago, who resurrected from the dead and changed the world. Yeah, you are weird. Embrace it. It's okay. I know the law feels a lot safer. I know that's the way we like to promote things. I know that's easy to fight the abortion laws and the right to die laws and all these other, it's easy to do that. It's harder to share Jesus. Because if we've got a platform to stand on, that's easy. But to stand with Jesus sometimes is not easy. I want to challenge you. As Paul is challenging the Galatians to just let go. Your identity is not in the law. Your identity is not in anything secure and, and, and tangible. Your identity is in Jesus. And it comes from faith in him. First and foremost and above all things. So as he's challenging the Galatians, we need to be challenged ourselves today. The church in Sydney is no different to the church here. I was sitting uh, at our regional hui a week and a half ago. Did I share this last week? Sitting there, and they broke us up at the end in the evening. They broke us up into groups. We had um, one of our elders was there. Chris came along. We had you know Wendy and Andy with children and youth. They had uh, an admins group. They had, and then they broke up the senior pastors in accordance to the size of the church, right? And I was in a group. This is the region. The region is Wellington, Taranaki, Manawatu, and and um, Hawkes Bay, right? And they broke us, and we, I was in the group of those who had average attendance of over 150. There were five of us out of 60 churches. And I made a confession. I said to them, we're barely hitting 150. In fact, our average this year has been 140. Uh, two years ago, in 2019, our average was 250. I don't know where everyone's gone. And another pastor who's over in Porirua, she put her hand up, she goes, we used to be 300, we're down to 100. I was a bit ashamed to be part of this group. But then the other two, from Palmerston North and, and, and New Plymouth, yeah, we're barely hitting 150 either. The guy from, from Hawke's Bay, he's like, well, yeah, we used to be 300, we're down to about 180. Where is everyone? What's happened? What do we need to do? We just need to turn to Jesus because that hasn't changed the world changes Jesus doesn't 
Same problems in Sydney. It was at Nawi Baps, a friend of mine who went to Bible college with church bigger than ours, but with an attendance less than ours. Now, same thing. COVID's just smashed everything. And you know, you can get really down when you talk about numbers, but actually I'm not. Because if this was done in my power and my will, I'd fail. But fortunately, you guys don't need to rely on me. We together rely on Jesus. Amen? He is our hope. He is the way. He is the one that fills us. He is the one. (laughs) So I don't look at numbers. I look to Jesus. And I pray you do too. Because in a changing world, people will struggle just as the Galatians did all of a sudden their identity is gone are we Jews or are we not Jews who's this Jesus do we keep doing this do we keep doing that and Paul's advice is always to turn to Jesus so your challenge this week is very simple every week I give you something but this week it's just going to be really simple spend some time with Jesus turn to him your hearts are fluttering you're worried about life, turn to Jesus. Take a moment to stop and turn to him. Can you do that? Can you take some time out this week and just turn to him? Yourself. Don't worry about anyone else around you. Just you. Because then he'll empower you to turn and look around. Don't worry about that. But right now, you need to cast your eyes on him. Ask the music team to come up. And as they lead us in in the last song, I want you to just take a moment and think, okay, how much am I acting like a Galatian here? Or I'm a little bit too comfortable with the whole law thing and maybe not comfortable enough with Jesus and just Jesus. How much am I needing to actually get my eyes back to him? And for some of you, there's this feeling, oh, I've come back to church, why? Because I felt guilty. You're here because Jesus wants you to be here. Right here, right now. Maybe next week he'll have you somewhere else, I don't know. But right here, right now, he wants you here because he wants to engage with you. As they lead us, maybe if you feel comfortable, turn to the person next to you for prayer. If you need comfort, you need a brother or sister to put their hand on you and pray over you. If you want to come forward, I'll be here and I can pray over you. There will be others up front who will be happy to come up and pray over you. You don't need to, you can do it straight from there. But if you do, that's what support is. And Father God, thank you for your son Jesus. That we don't live by that law anymore. It's a wonderful law, Lord, and its purpose still is written on our hearts. But now we are led, we are guided by Jesus. Help us, Father. Help us to keep our eyes firm on him in everything we do. And rather than promote all these other things, help us to share this love that we have living within us. 
the love of your Son, Lord Jesus Christ. The saving power of his blood. The redemption found in his resurrection. And the advocate he is sitting at your right hand side, Father. 